0: Hello, fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and as we discussed, we spent six episodes. This is our sixth, just hanging out with Jewish people who are actually regular people. Who would have guessed? Uh, so that we can get a bunch of different perspectives, and you can understand that Jews who have sex are normal and everywhere. Today, we are joined by Katie. Katie, tell us about yourself.
1: Hello, hello. I'm giggling at being called normal. <laughs> Um, But I'm Katie. I'm based in California, so coming in here with some United States perspectives. Um, (laughs) Lucky me. And I am a recent graduate from the University of Minnesota School of Public Health, and I'm currently seeking out my certification as a sex educator. So I'm super stoked to be here with you, Ray, and learn from your listeners and learn with you and just have a great time. Little about me, I'm a plant mom, a snake mom, and a cat mom, but that's the only kind of mom I plan on being.
0: <laughs> is the snake an actual snake, or is
1: that a metaphor for your partner's dick? <laughs> Not a metaphor. No, she's an actual snake. She's a ball python who I named Lilith, speaking of fuck demons. Love it. Um, <laughs> I was like, how can we make this a Jewish name that also isn't heteronormative and patriarchal? Let's go with the fuck demon.
0: Yeah. So Lilith is my favorite of the fuck demons. Actually, we we talked about her earlier in the season and she's fantastic. So before we continue, I just want to let everyone know, as I'm sure you've all noticed, every person we've had for these six episodes are people that I worked with at the last organization that I worked for. (laughs) So Katie and I met because she was the regional director of a region at the Jewish youth group that I worked for previous to this point, and we met at international conventions and staff conferences and uh fell in friendship love with each other very quickly I feel oh wait no we
1: I think it was CLTC I was gonna say we were at camp um, we went to camp yeah yeah and it was amazing it was the best time we had a really awesome team and um Ray brought so much energy and and it was so interesting because I still was very much um I don't want to say repressed because I've never necessarily been quote repressed but Um, There definitely were aspects of my personality that I wasn't sharing with others quite as much because I was worried about fitting into a certain standard of like what a professional adult mentoring young people is supposed to act, be, look like. Um, And Ray really did a number on showing me like how to be myself and also still be all those things um and yeah it was just it was a badass summer it was super fun and I would do it again
0: yeah we have um matching t-shirts from it yeah yeah I would yes do. We, do. we were oh in old Montreal buying matching tourist three wolf moon shirts <laughs> yes and we did take so photos good. in them and if yeah. I can remember I'll post that on to our social media story yes please because if
1: I remember correctly mine was like lavender and yours was black and mine I was like, is dar- this dark green is... yeah
0: definitely us. Yes. I just oh man I, we, on should, brand. we should come visit each other this is making me yeah. like Oof.
1: dying for lockdowns and pandemics to be over i know i know we're we'll get there we'll get there and on that note i hope all of your people are safe and everyone is taking care of themselves remember to drink water and take your meds yeah <laughs> fingers crossed that by the time this airs the pandemic
0: is over Um uh, oh, be a miracle we can pray to jewish god um so <laughs> yes so today in Sex News, the article is called Bridgerton's Sex and Aristocrats are Historically Accurate. It's from The Telegraph, January 26, 2021. And here are some notes from it. The Netflix show Bridgerton is historically accurate when it comes to the sex. Academics have confirmed this. This is specifically in response to the fact that people said they're too horny for people of the time. <laughs> uh, the a, a quote. The aristocracy were much looser in their morals than the Jane Austen classes, a.k.a. middle class. Hannah Greek, Bridgerton's etiquette advisor and a historian who previously consulted on BBC's uh, one something something, I one polder, I don't even know, said, British society has become much more secular. There were few laws restricting sexual activity among adults and a visible culture of prostitution. We get celebrity courtesans and mistresses written about in gossip columns. Chris Van Dusen, the showrunner, was inspired by Colin Firth coming out of the lake from BBC's Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> he wanted to see a period piece that did more and went further and that's it for the notes i took on
1: the article i giggled so much at him being inspired by that because i mean god weren't we all like i i feel like i don't know pride and prejudice was such a thing for me um i remember when the 2004 2005 version what i call the pretty people version uh i remember when that came out and i just like would not stop watching it and the scene where they're like drenched in the rain and someone was like, have you not watched the BBC version with Colin Firth and the and the lake and the shirt? And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And let me tell you.
0: So I was never a Jane Austen person, that kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I had some things I I have to, you know, I'm going to try again, I think, soon. But I was like, I liked Tess of the D'Urbervilles, but I liked watching the BBC version. And then I read the book and went, oh, the book makes so much more sense now. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that I could mm-hmm. skip the descriptions of Foliage. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I have never seen the BBC version, but I have seen a clip of Colin Firth coming out of the water from the show or the movie Austin Land, which is a hilarious mm. parody movie if you haven't seen it. I have it, and I'm writing it down right okay. now. Okay. It is a chick flick um, about a woman who's so obsessed with Jane Austen that like she pays for one of these, like, experiences where you go to England, and it's like a retreat where you get to be fully immersed, and you get to be in costume, and, you know, you get to have a romance. It's it's a chick flick. It's wonderful. I was going to say, it. that
1: actually sounds like my dream. It is
0: so good. You will <laughs> really appreciate it. And then the other oh, yeah. experience that I have is with a mini-series called Lost in Austen, which was by like a woman in our contemporary times who goes through a door and she ends up switching places with I think it's Lizzie, mm-hmm. yeah. And like Lizzie ends up in the modern world and she ends up there living out these fantasies and she thought it was sexist tripe and like just how romantic it could be and it was. There's a lot of it. so my experience with Jane Austen in that time period, yeah, is like <laughs> modern is fan, yeah. That's amazing. And, and my costume history class where we learned about their outfits and then we would watch clips from the movies and determine how historically accurate all the costumes were.
1: Well, and and it's interesting because my, I mean, my relationship with Austin really is just Pride and Prejudice because I was so obsessed with the movie. But I ended up actually getting my bachelor's degree in Anglo-Irish history. And so I, like everything that I know about England at this time has to do with their oppression of <laughs> other people. <laughs> so I'm just like... I I'm watching all of this and, and and I have so many thoughts on Bridgerton in general and I guess this is like where we can just like start right right off the bat yeah like because this this is Regency era and so slavery hadn't yet been um been abolished in England and in the colonies it was because it's like what like 1813 is when this takes place is that right I think so all
0: I know is that Bridgerton is its own form of fan fiction and I think that's why I liked it so much
1: yeah and i liked it too and and like it was so interesting um seeing because obviously everybody in the shondaland universe i'm a big Grey's anatomy fan i started watching it when i moved to seattle five years ago and didn't know anybody and got very deep into it and so like everyone was stoked because it's shonda and so we were like wow this is awesome we're going to see like women of color who have stories and lives and power and all these great things And then we ended up with Bridgerton, which I think is, it's a nice step, but I just noticed that it was just the next in the long line of Netflix original series, having a lot of light-skinned black people and not necessarily. I
0: thought the queen was powdered, not light-skinned.
1: I don't know that. Okay. It's it's more of, it felt a little tokenizing.
0: Yes. Do you want to hear something really funny? Yes, I do. So I'm not saying that this is an excuse, but I am saying that when you shoot. (laughs) very pale people beside very dark people, either the white people become invisible or the black people do because of the lighting because you need to that, light I mean, it differently. I mean, that makes sense. I, th- I just think that's a hilarious fact that like you would need two separate kinds of light. I mean, obviously in a movie, that's different than like a photo shoot. But uh, mm-hmm. I know that on photo shoots, if there was, like, a really pale person beside a very dark-skinned person, I mean, like, you're, I'm talking, like, Irish, not just, like, an average white person. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, if you light for one, the other one, all of the features you mean, like, get <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who was so white.
1: So also, yeah. tell me why I want to call her Phoebe all the time because of Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> so I'm always like, it's Phoebe, right? No, nope, it's Daphne. I'm actually
0: terrible with names, and I will refer to them by tokenizing things like hot Great. lead. Hot male cool. lead.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
0: Uh, female yes oh my god yes okay wait before we move on to the sex okay okay, sorry (laughs) I have one thing I want to add which is their costumes so I talked about historical accuracy in fan fiction and Mm -hmm. one thing that I got into a big fight with my friend over she's like the costumes weren't historically accurate I'm like they were accurate enough the silhouettes are really accurate for the people that they needed it Mm -hmm. to be accurate for the ones who were supposed to be on trend it was a lot of pastels and it was mm-hmm. very billowy, and they had those high-waisted empire waists and their corsets, mm-hmm. which only ended there, that was accurate. But then mm-hmm. you get the family that's supposed to be out of touch and ridiculous, and their outfits are definitely not historically accurate. Like her silhouette mm-hmm. is more 1950s housewife. It's actually mm-hmm. a lot more corseted, which is mm-hmm. those trends actually like, they fluctuate in terms of corset, not corset. The queen herself was wearing an outdated fashion, you know, the the like older fashion versus the, the, the bright yellow family that I'm blanking on the name of. Um, The Featheringtons? The Featheringtons, yeah. And how, like, they're so bright and so out of place. And it was specifically Mm -hmm. to point out how out of touch they are. So the costumes were a visual cue of people's place in society and how they viewed themselves and how they were. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of those colors didn't even exist in terms of dyes. Or if they did, it would have been, like, green for cyanide. It was cyanide dye. (laughs) Things like that. So those colors might not have existed, but it doesn't really matter because that wasn't the point of the costumes or the show.
1: Well, and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the point of the show. Yeah. And so that's, and so that's where I found this article super interesting. Um, because quite honestly, like reading it, it was news to me that there would have been that much, um, wantonness in England because it just, I mean, when I think of England, I think of the Anglican church and I think stuffy and all of those things. And that's not, what we were dealing with. Like it, it gave me Marie Antoinette vibes, like the, like the Sofia Coppola version. Like it gave me, it gave me those vibes. And I realized like, they're not that far off. They're 20 years and a very small amount of water. <laughs> but
0: I didn't realize Jane Austen was about the middle class because they all have servants. Me neither.
1: Me neither. And I'm just I so not used to
0: middle class having servants. Although now that I think about it, middle class, even when I was growing up, meant maybe one nanny or a cleaning person.
1: It was just part-time mm-hmm. help versus mm-hmm. full-time help. Vers- live and help. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and so I just, there were, for such a short article, like there were so many things that I pulled out of it that I was like, this is brand new information to me. And then of course I went into like a long, deep, dark hole of reading think pieces, which is the only reason I know that slavery ended in 1833. Okay. That's <laughs> the only reason I know it, not because I studied it, um, just for the record. But... It, it was very interesting to, to read the different the different things that folks were looking at and looking for. Like the people who were focused on the historical accuracy. The people that were focused on the sex and sexual accuracy. The accuracy of costumes. The portrayal of Black folks on screen. Um, it was interesting. I
0: mean, the, the idea that people haven't always had unmarried sex... Like, they always have. They always will. There's a reason that sex works. The oldest profession. People like to fuck. Yeah, but, you know, we... The perception of the 1800s as being, like, pure has to do partially Mm. with just, like, how they were being advertised in morality politics. And you'll Mm -hmm. notice that that's actually one of the most depraved eras because when you have to maintain a face that is so against human nature, you end up having a lot of weird underground sex things happening.
1: (laughs) Like, uh, sex parties. Yeah. <laughs> Literally underground.
0: Well, another thing that I love about this show is its representation of the mistress, the the opera singer. You get the idea that, like, she is definitely never going to be upper class yeah. because she's just a performer. And she's happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when she rejects that narrative.
1: Well, and that was exactly it. And, like, I mean, I don't know if you're going to put a spoiler alert, but, like, spoiler alert, her, her saying no to someone who has promised to take care of her financially forever is like such a boss move because essentially she's like no i because once that starts then you have ownership of me because you are upper class and i am not and thus like there will be a certain level of expectation of what i'm going to deliver for you and i'm not down with that
0: the second half of that where then he says okay i will treat you the way like basically like a princess, he comes with flowers, he gets her a dress, he wants her to go to the ball and she's like, this isn't me and this isn't what I want and this isn't my mm-hmm. fantasy and you are not rescuing me from something. I don't need to be rescued. I love my career. I love mm-hmm. my work that I do. And if that means that I keep sleeping with different rich guys until I die, then like, so be it. Okay. Great. I'm having a great time.
1: And it's so interesting that you that you say that because I think that's a that's a narrative around sex work for sure that exists of like, let me save you from this. Because the only reason you would do it is because you need the money. And, like, that's not the case. And it's just such a... People
0: think pretty... People look at Pretty Woman in the part where she says she cried the first time. Not every girl cries the first time they have sex for money. Or at all. Well,
1: yeah. And also, like, there's also... Crying doesn't necessarily indicate that you feel like there's a part of you that's, like, lost or abandoned or whatever. It also is, like okay, I just had this intimate experience with with a stranger for the first time, and that brought up a lot of things for me, but, like, I'm good. Like, I'm cool. I'm not bothered by this. I just am processing. Pardon me. Ugh.
0: Another common trope in Pretty Woman is the whole I don't kiss you on the lips because it's too intimate, but here you have someone who's, like, having a lot of intimate experiences and living her best life, and she's not afraid to kiss or fuck you under the bleachers at a boxing match.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it just, like... Um, it really it breaks with the trend of women having casual sex as like an indicator of internal troubles and like i i mean because I'm now thinking of like Fantine, in <laughs> Les Rob, and like oh my god, all, which like is a whole... we do let us let's that's, not. I would say that's <laughs> trafficking.
0: Let's just be clear.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. But I but I'm just like thinking of all of the figures that have existed in um, Western canon that are women who have casual sex and the ways in which that is shown and what that supposedly indicates about them and their worth both for themselves and towards others. Um, and so it was really refreshing to, to see someone be like, mm, I'm taking care of myself just fine. Like, thanks, though. I really appreciate it. No, I'm not going to tragically die of TB. Like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah,
0: not only that, but I'm going to keep living my best life and having these richer, like, like the idea that she is still wanted. And let's be honest, she's an opera singer. She's going to when she's 50 60 years old like as long as she takes that money she's making off of them and like uses it well you know like she's going to be that 60 year old who's still managing to get young 20 year old lords to fall for her and get her gifts yeah oh yeah
1: absolutely it's just pretty rad and i'm into her i will say like she's all uh, i mean i'm into her like as a representation and concept but also she's really hot
0: (laughs) the actress is also quite pretty yeah yes and her (laughs) outfits yeah okay Speaking of another working-class woman who was in a relationship with the Lord, the the seamstress with the fake accent.
1: Yes. So cool. And I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that she was Lady Whistledown the entire time.
0: I suspected it might be um, Squishy Featherington. I can't remember mm-hmm. her name. I'm so bad. <laughs> Penelope. Penelope, thank you. This is... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nicola Coughlin. Yes. Okay,
0: Penelope. I had, like, a moment at the beginning. I'm like, she was the only one who knew. And I'm like, no. Because they're like, like what, she, you know, was so convincing with the tears and were ruined and this and that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but she's the person who, like, I'm like, like, I was like, oh, she was trying to save him. She was mm-hmm. trying to save her friend who she cares mm-hmm. about more than her parents. Like, there was a lot going on. But mm-hmm. it was like a, I don't want to be like I called it. It was like a glimmer of a thought.
1: Yeah. And I was like, yeah. no, it can't be her. Well, and I will say I also was Frustrated with the way that Marina was treated throughout the whole show. Marina is the one who's pregnant out of wedlock. Because I feel like at the beginning of the show, we had like glimpses into character development and like, oh, we're actually gonna learn who this person is. And instead, her entire storyline was just, oh, I'm pregnant out of wedlock. And she brief like at the beginning, she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin Colin's life. Like I, I don't want to. Be a part of this scheme and then she becomes basically the primary aggressor and I just I I felt like there was so much more for her
0: I have an interesting theory around that which is when you have a strong-willed woman who knows what they want knows what they want to get but then you're trapped in a home with people wearing you down and convincing you Mm -hmm. to their kind of thinking, that strong will ends up being, you end up being strong-willed for the wrong reasons. She's like, Mm -hmm. I have all this energy and this willpower and I am being ground down by this family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also just thought she was terrible by the end of it. But even by the end of it, you see a little bit of her former self coming back. And I saw it more as a comment on what happens when you end up living with the Featheringtons,
1: when you're trapped in their home,
0: when you're trapped when like you literally cannot
1: escape a mentality because you cannot leave and they will not let you out. Interesting. I, I value and appreciate that perspective because I most definitely was like, "How is this girl's only storyline that she's pregnant? Like, come on, let's let's give her something else." But the reason I brought her up was because I felt like the moment because she because she and the seamstress have a moment, don't they? Where yes. she like is pretty shitty to her. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, wh- "Ma'am, I don't. Where do you get off treating this woman who's trying to help you out with such disdain? Like she's, she's afraid, I guess. I don't know. She's afraid, and she's learning from the Featheringtons. So you're absolutely right that like she's picking up. She doesn't what want is to be them, her. but she's
0: turning into them anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, well, back yeah. to the seamstress. You yeah, get the yeah, sense. Yeah. You get the sense that there's a very big difference between her and the opera. Mm -hmm. the seamstress doesn't want to be a a like a like she has a boyfriend the seamstress has a boyfriend versus the opera lead has gentleman callers who help fund her lifestyle Mm -hmm. right like the seamstress is not engaging in sex work adjacent sex work light kind of sugar babying
1: she is comfortable with the i guess the settled nature of the life that she's living she, yeah she enjoys it she gets the gossip she gets to create art she gets to uh, she has an act yeah.
0: she gets to pretend to be French, and she has this boyfriend who
1: you know okay <laughs> i i have the accent is so oh hilarious
0: <laughs> well it tells you that the british believe it you know so i think there's something to be said there
1: uh, uh yes is this just going to turn into a sh- trash talking? Yeah,
0: I thought that the rich. middle son was tra- was hiding his homosexuality. Me too,
1: Me And too. then when the yes. twist
0: is that, no, he's hiding a girlfriend and he's in the exact same situation as his brother. I'm like, I did not see that coming. And I'm s- like, there's a part of you that's ca- like kind of happy that it wasn't so cliche, but also yeah. I wanted to see him kiss the gay guy.
1: Well, I, and, and I wanted, I was hoping that it was going to be like a nuanced portrayal of an LGBTQ plus character where it's like, He can have a girlfriend and be in the exact same situation and also like fucking dudes. And there doesn't and there doesn't have those don't have to be mutually exclusive because I feel like bisexual men are so rarely portrayed on television. And when they are, it's like as a tool to move the plot along, if that makes sense, as opposed to like an actual fully developed character.
0: I liked the fact that we had one gay character who had a beard of a wife and you saw mm, sort of mm-hmm. how these people navigated society mm-hmm. and it did for a very long time. And by these people, I mean, uh, closeted gay people had to navigate society. Uh, there's so many instances of LGBT people throughout history, um, you know, trans women women. Or trans men, even in these scenarios, but, like, it's just not remarked upon because it was, you know, not something you report on. But here's one prime example of a gay person who is married to a woman who's throwing orgies and living the hardest mm-hmm. life. You get to get away with that when you're a bohemian, no matter which society you're a part
1: of. Well, and I was also going to say, I think it also demonstrates a little bit of the privilege that the upper class was experiencing. Because clearly multiple people knew what this person's sexual inclinations were. And it wasn't a big deal because they were rich. And part of the same secret society. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, that, that part helps. But I, I, it's... Um, there, there's a certain level of protection that you get, which I think also brings me to um, when we think about celebrity mistresses. Like, I think of um, Madame du Barry, who was Louis the XV, fourteenth the Sun King's um, courtesan, and, or mistress, I suppose. And you think about the ways in which these these lives and these relationships were so well known and yet so fragile and that's what that's something that really interests me is like how if his wife had just decided one day that she was done being his beard would he have been ruined or would he have gotten away with it because he was a man whereas if a celebrity mistress who everybody knows exists does the wrong thing and her partner is like I'm done with you what happens to her it's an
0: interesting question
1: and obviously i'm not equating like being a closeted gay person and being a mistress as the same thing but it's more of it's the the idea
0: that this was a thing that wasn't technically allowed that people were Mm -hmm. giving yeah Yeah, i hear what you're saying and i think that that's an interesting question and i wonder if there's any researchers doing anything on there we should go do some
1: googling later It was like, what book club are we starting? I was just going to say, can we just read um, biographies of celebrity mistresses? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Because I am very down. I'm going to be honest. I, I do a lot of reading for pleasure and my reading for pleasure often
0: involves magic and dragons. But I'm sure I could put this on the list of things that I could be interested in.
1: I need to read more things uh, with magic and dragons in them because I keep picking up nonfiction and I'm like, why don't I like reading anymore? Well, bitch, it's because you're reading only nonfiction (laughs) because you're not reading for fun. Stop trying to learn all the time. Shout out to Tanya Huff,
0: my favorite Canadian author right now who does fantasy and sci-fi. And she does have one series that you would love because it's about. Uh, i'm gonna take a quick little tangent here um, let's do it you would like it because the family tries to keep the relationships in the family to keep the magic in the family but they also try oh. and keep the bloodlines from crossing too much and uh there's some cousin related sex and cousin
1: fucking yeah i should have asked you do we drop f bombs on this yes like i figured we did but uh, I considering i, I to... opened
0: <laughs> with fuck demon i think we're okay true
1: you're right yep
0: that's anyway it. Okay. <laughs> i'm not saying that cousin fucking is hot i am saying tanya huff made cousin fucking hot for me I, hey i mean and there's no sex in these books and somehow she managed
1: there's no sex
0: no it's literally just implied there's implied sex and yet still somehow there's cousin fucking but
1: what if i want fantasy smut Ooh. any recommendations people <laughs> yes uh start with
0: uh chosen it's kinky
1: Okay, my Who, let's see. who's the author?
0: Jacqueline Carey. I'm like looking back on my bookshelf as I tell you. I love how <laughs> as soon as we start doing pop culture, we're like, let's do other pop culture. The other thing that if you like smut that I would recommend is Harry Potter fan fiction, but we knew that mm, already. Oh, yeah. What else do I have on these shelves that's sturdy? Oh, have you read the Anne Rice uh, Sleeping Beauty porn? Okay,
1: I have them all in my nightstand. I have- They get weird. I have paged through it. And I wasn't super into it, but I'm down to try again. I've also tried to read Interview with a Vampire like seven or eight times and haven't made it through it. So like I would book
0: club the Anne Rice Sleeping Beauty porn because there's I noticed there is no anal in those books. But she does what? let the girl get like there is like a peanut butter on a clitoris with a cat scene.
1: Oh, type of thing.
0: Yeah, that's like a I whole... have
1: feelings about like, I mean, do you? I'm not I'm, gonna I just things, think it's but... such an
0: interesting thing of its time. That, like, they didn't even touch anal, but they went to other depraved, degrading, humiliation things that I'm like, wow. But
1: butt stuff is so fun. Well,
0: yeah, but I mean, it was of the time that people didn't even consider that. Like, it wasn't even considered by her. I thought that was so fascinating. So when so I say read wild. them, I don't mean read them and jerk off. I mean, I you think mean, you should you read them.
1: read them critically. You should read them. They're <laughs> okay. so fascinating. I'm down. I mean, I have them.
0: Yeah, I think you'll enjoy Kishiel's Chosen. That one okay. is... A book about sex spies and BDSM and also fantasy plot.
1: Let's fucking go.
0: I'm into it. Okay. So back to Bridgerton. Should we talk about the sex scene in Bridgerton? I feel like we haven't even gotten there yet.
1: I have so many feelings about the sex in Bridgerton. Okay. And and I'm going to go on my rant super quick and then we can pick it apart. But... I had so many friends that were like, oh, my God, the sex is so hot. This is amazing. And I was, like, really excited for it. And then I watched it, and I was like, there's no chemistry here. Like, the only hot sex was between the opera singer and the Bridgerton kid. Like, the sex between Daphne and I, ooh, awkward. I don't remember his name. Hot male lead. Hot male lead. (laughs) Uh, Simon? It was just like, Simon, yes. It was just like. There was no chemistry there. I didn't believe it. And that it bummed me out because I was so ready for hot sex. And then I was just like, I'm sorry, this that it doesn't actually look like you're about to come to start. I mean, not that everybody's orgasms look the same, but like the scene where she's like learning how to masturbate. I'm like, I, I don't I don't know. I just didn't believe any of it. So I guess that's not really a rant so much as it's one statement that I drew out. But like, I found that their sex scenes were
0: romance porn. With sex.
1: Oh, okay. As opposed I can to see that.
0: sexy porn with sex. Like, the way she lost her virginity was the way every girl wants to lose her virginity. That's fair. That's what I well, got from that. It was like, well, maybe not every girl. But the things that I drew out of that scene are experienced man mm-hmm. who knows how to make you come, mm-hmm. gently asks for consent, shows you how to get there, creates a space of vulnerability where you can feel pleasure... Um, shows you how he wants to be touched. It's almost like how every interaction you have with a new partner mm, should, should, it would be go. nice if it could be that vulnerable and intimate and open and safe. And safe. Yeah. And safe. And I, I, you know, you don't always want your sex to be loving, but and you don't
1: always want it to be like safe capital S though. We should always use protection. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the idea
0: that like there
1: was a space
0: where they could, um, say what they both wanted. And he also was sort of like anticipating her moments of nervousness and Mm -hmm. she was sort Mm -hmm. of anticipating what he might want. And they were doing their best to try and be like, oh, you know what I mean? They weren't anticipating, they weren't assuming, but they were doing their best to anticipate where there might be moments of discomfort and doing Mm -hmm. their best to mitigate that. And I Mm -hmm. was like, this is exactly what I think, like, that's what I liked about it. Just that feeling of like connection and that imbalance of when you have someone who's experienced and inexperienced. that's what it should look like
1: damn, I feel thoroughly Corrected in the best way because because you're absolutely right. And also, I, I should probably point out that I also was binge watching the first season of Outlander at the same time. Yeah. And so, oh my the God. sex is very different.
0: I <laughs> have opinions about show. I've read all of Outlander and I've seen Outlander, and I'm happy to segue
1: to that after we finish talking about the British. I'm, and I'm sex only season. on season one. So, so I, I, okay. I, I can't go there. But Sam what I can talk Hewan, about in
0: Please listen to my podcast. Please. Please fall in love with me. I know you're married. Oh God,
1: yeah. For the love of God. And so, so are we. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh my God. (laughs) He he might be poly. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. No. He strikes me as the kind of guy who isn't. Unfortunately. Speaking of
1: books, books turning into shows. So this is based on a book series, and the. Like, quote unquote, controversial sex scene. So, the one where she basically rapes him.
0: Yeah, I would, I have some questions about is that actually rape if he'd been lying to, was he, she being raped if he was lying to her? And if she didn't actually know, like, she didn't
1: know how babies were made. But she did, she did at that point. And so, and I don't, I don't necessarily, like, the reason I brought up the book was not to, like debate what we watched and w- what type of sexual assault that was. That's because fair. It, I think because, we can like,
0: confirm it was definitely confirm sexual assault. it was sexual assault.
1: Yes. Um, and in the book, it is so much more fucked because he is super drunk, and she knows that he's drunk, and she's like, "Great, this is my opportunity to use the fact that he's hammered, drunk, to put a baby in me. Let's fucking go."
0: Oh, so she was intentionally trying to get a baby, as opposed to just point uh, trying to point out that there was a lie. Uh,
1: well, I think she was. I think she was intentionally trying to get pregnant in the show too.
0: She was, but I read that scene as her trying to get him Call to. Him out. Yeah, I didn't read it as her trying to trap him into a baby. Ooh. I read it more as her trying to be like. Prove like you must explicitly state that you have been lying to me by omission this entire time. But that Ooh, could be my mis- that could be my misreading. I think you can read that. I definitely, I to. definitely
1: took it as like a this is my one chance because he doesn't know that I know, so this is my chance to make that. Oh,
0: I, the look on her face as soon as he came and he's like, "What happened?" I didn't see that as "fuck you, I've won." I saw that as total betrayal because this proved what everyone this proved her deepest fears correct.
1: Mm, interesting that being
0: said I your reading is probably also accurate you said you read the books so
1: no no I didn't I didn't read the books necessarily
0: oh but you read but about I, that okay. I read
1: a, I read a lot about the books <laughs> that's fair I'm, inter- I'm interested in reading the books though because uh, they I, seem like, like a like good a, time well and I th- I'm way more into reading about sex than watching it Agreed. so that's why I'm like cool but at the same time I feel like She knew enough to know that he was, like, he was ejaculating. And there's no She didn't
0: know what that was, though. But didn't she at that point? By the time she was having sex with him... She had finally had someone, I think, explain it to her. But I think mm. I think that one of the reasons it was so upsetting is because whenever she tried to get answers, no one would give them to her. And mm, he mm-hmm. didn't explicitly explain ejaculating how it happened. Like, no one explained it to her. So the first few times that he did ejaculate, and she's like, does that hurt? Like, she had no idea what was fucking That's happening. That's
1: true. That's true. And she didn't know that when other people have sex, they don't pull out. Yeah. Or, or maybe they or maybe they do. But but she didn't understand what was happening. And I will say that, like, obviously, like, birth control was very or contraception was very um, rudimentary at that point. And I, I was reading someone who was critiquing the withdrawal method as like one of the least effective forms of contraception. And I was like, wait, T.O., like, sure, it shouldn't be your first line of defense. But if you're doing it right, it like works isn't the most ineffective thing that you can do combine that with
0: the rhythm method and you should
1: be okay (laughs) yeah you know but but either way and so she didn't know that it wasn't normal for him to finish somewhere else and he
0: let her believe it was that's why i'm like this is this is morally gray and this is why i'm not gonna make any like it's so hard to say I think that it was definitely sexual assault. Mm -hmm. The severity of it, there were so many lies leading up to it before that point that it gets so complicated. And that's why I think the show is so good. Because Mm -hmm. that scene is so much more complicated than... So nuanced. Yes. Like, she had been lied to by him... And they had been having sex under false pretenses the entire time, according to her. He thought she understood. She didn't. So by that... No, he, no, he
1: knew she didn't understand. And, that, and that's where I get pissed off. He used her lack of knowledge against her. And that right there... And that sucks. <laughs> is also...
0: But then isn't that also sexual assault?
1: No, I don't, I don't know. I really, I really don't know that that's we should, what I, like... Yeah, that's
0: what I mean by, like, it gets so... It gets complicated. Yeah, to it just, does get gray. Sometimes it's just lies, and sometimes it's bad sex, and sometimes it's assault. But I also mm-hmm. do think that in that one case, if she knew that this is something he did not want and did it anyway, then that is assault. But, like, yeah. there are so many other lies leading up to this, and it shows you how when, when couples get into a disagreement over one thing, it's never just one thing.
1: hmm Well, and it also goes to show you what happens if you're not openly communicating and being transparent with each other and like and how much one lie can just totally fuck it up and create
0: so many weird offshoots and misunderstandings Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and cause so much pain my grandmother was of the generation
0: where they didn't talk about sex she learned from the doctor right before she got married how babies are made like she had to go oh no it wasn't even that it's like she didn't know so my grandfather took her to the doctor with him so the doctor could explain how sex worked, what it was, how babies were made.
1: I just... I... I mean, that doesn't... That does, like, it's a shock, but not surprising. I mean, it's, it's just like how distributing birth control literature was illegal in the 20th century because... And the 19th century because it was considered... It's like how Instagram is pulling down sex educators' stories because they're explicit. And it's like, what the fuck? This is a biological reality that we live with. What makes talking about the way babies are made, quote unquote, what makes that any more explicit than talking about taking a shit? Like, Well,
0: I think it's really interesting that we can talk about erectile dysfunction everywhere and have advertising for it. And Viagra is covered by certain
1: insurance companies. And you can get it mail ordered to your house. But in the state of New Mexico, there are only three counties with more than one pharmacy that is certified to distribute birth control.
0: Not only that, but nobody fucking knows about PCOS when it affects one in four women. Oh, yes. Also that. (laughs) Like, yeah, I agree with the birth control and the Viagra things, but it's the idea that we can talk about male anatomy and medications for sex for men, but we can't talk about... Well, and to make
1: sex happen for men.
0: But we can't talk about biology that has nothing to do with sex for pleasure and everything to do with just having a healthy internal system to prevent cancer, but it's women's part. So nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. And, and nobody cares. Nobody. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's not enough science going into
1: it. Well, and, and well, that's something that, um, you know, through my master's program, I was continuously reminded of is how little research existed. And there were so many times where I was like, I want to do this study. I want to do this study. We need to find out this. And then I remembered that like, that requires having an institution that's willing to fund it. And having a lab.
0: (laughs) And you have to be very, very specific with what it is that you're actually studying for. When Mm -hmm. I was learning about uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, I think you and I took that session together. And she was saying that dialectical behavioral therapy has been found to be very successful for bipolar and personality disorder. Not because it's not successful for other kinds of mental health divergences, but because there was no funding to test it. Mm -hmm. So everyone's using CBT, which doesn't work on people with bipolar or personality disorders. Mm -hmm. DBT does, but DBT when used for other patients is still effective. There's just Mm -hmm. no official studies to prove it. So they cannot claim that it's effective.
1: Yep. And that's, I think, where, um, where we get into, (laughs) God, I was going to go on such a tangent. I'm going to say it, we don't need to go down it, but like, I mean, that's where we get into so much of my frustration with public education in the United States because they like legislators want to keep people stupid. They want to make it so that reading those types of studies and seeing those things means one thing to them when actually it means a bunch of different nuanced things. But they don't have enough information and education to understand that like they want to they're just going to believe what is on there on the label written by the fda because that's all they know they don't know that the reason it's not acceptable for off-label use is because the fda won't approve study like i'm thinking of mifepristone and misoprestol and using those for abortion like it's there are just there are so many ways in which the government wants to keep people dumb so that we don't understand all of the ways that our body works and the way that we fit into our society. And it's just, wake up, sheeple. Just kidding. I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) I've been explicitly told by my husband that I'm not allowed to say the media is the ultimate enemy of the people. I mean, I I sometimes do believe that. Like, not mainstream media. Oh, it was something like mainstream media networks are the enemy of the people. And he was like, post that with a picture of your ass. And I was like, yeah, okay. He goes, don't do that. You'll lose so many followers. You're going to get in so much trouble. And I'm like, dude, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, like, a lot of government institutions, they don't educate properly. Mainstream media news outlets are trying to make money by generating news. And you generate news. And they're
1: owned by people
0: who want to maintain control like there's nothing wrong with people finding someone that they'd rather get their news from on youtube if it's someone that you trust the opinion of because even journalists have their shit censored by Mm -hmm. the editors who are being censored by the person who owns the company i don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out that that's a true thing that happens wake up sheeple
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I was gonna say it all links back to bridgerton it does (laughs) but i I didn't have a segue (laughs) this is because of the featherington
0: being the anonymous writer. Lady Whistledown. Lady Whistledown is the opposite of the mainstream media corporation. She is She's trying to get you. She's
1: the people in power for what they are. That's right. Lady Whistledown is of the people. That's so okay. We did it. We made it. Work. We did it!
0: <laughs> Should we take a commercial break? Let's take a commercial break. Okay. <laughs>
1: And we're back with Katie for a listener question.
0: Are you ready? I am ready. Hey there, Ray Bay. And also Katie. (laughs) I'm sure you're going to be doing an episode about credit card companies pulling out of Pornhub, not in a fun way, and the new proposed S-I-S-E-A, the Stop Internet Sexual Exploitation Act which Just Sounds Like Sissy. I know that a lot of sex workers have come out to express how these things are actually negatively impacting them, but what about the quote-unquote Johns like me? I want to be able to give money to support sex workers, and this is impacting me too. What can the people who pay sex workers do to fight back against things like Sissia, He later said it's actually pronounced "sia." Oh, I've only called it Sissy. Yeah, Sincerely, (laughs) Sissy Steven, which I thought was very
1: funny. Oh, Sissy Steven, what a good egg.
0: Yeah, oh, Steven's Steven's a gem. So I feel like first let's address the whole credit card companies pulling out a Pornhub thing. God, yeah. Okay, so credit card companies, this, I think, honestly, part of this links back to the Earn It Act, the idea that you need to earn back government protections from being sued for not trying to end trafficking. So porn, Pornhub is one of those companies that for a long time did not vet whether or not their videos were trafficked or not. It was a place that people would upload things. Some people who had had horrible sexual experiences happened to them and were filmed without their consent, so that was uploaded to the website. Underage people would slip through the cracks occasionally. So Pornhub was very much one of those companies where they were not doing their best to curate what they have. So the credit card companies saw that and were like, well, you're not doing your job to end trafficking, so we will pull out.
1: And also, we don't want to be on the hook once these acts go into place. We don't want to be involved. It
0: actually has nothing to do with their moral, what they wanted to do morally, and everything to
1: do with capitalism. Covering concern. their ass.
0: Yeah, I should add that Pornhub changing their rules, great, good for them.
1: Which, which to clarify for for listeners, they now require verification for all models and posters yes
0: the only struggle here is apparently small smaller scale like more amateur people who are not trafficking themselves it's now very hard for them to get their content up on pornhub it's one of those things where like it's difficult but at the same time it does mean that we don't have underage people and we don't have people who who are did coerced and... coerced in any way and that's in my mind a positive thing but the credit card companies like it's not from any form of altruism it was just cover your, it's, it's purely a, just covering their ass yeah cover your ass policy c-y-a-p all right, so then maybe let's address the whole sex workers have come out to express how these things, neg- sissy, sissia, ermit, uh, sesta-fosta, all these roles which we discuss on season two, they're negatively impacting them. What about the Johns? How do they find, what can they do to support sex workers right now?
1: So helping sex workers, if you pay through an app like PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, et cetera, putting something in the comments that is, uh, will fly under the radar, so lunch or rental fee or like whatever yeah if
0: it's like a really big amount like a thousand dollar amount you could do something like like you pick something like paying you back for rent
1: yeah or travel reimbursement for airbnb or whatever it is um also not sending money in large amounts sending it in smaller quantities over time um can be really helpful Paying cash is always good, but obviously it's we're in the middle of a pandemic. So if if you're specifically referring to online sex workers, um, it's mostly going to be through online methods that you're paying. I would say also um, connecting with the community and looking for mutual aid funds. There are a lot of funds out there that are raising funds for sex workers that are out of work right now. Um, there are a lot of cities especially in the united states that even though they've reopened adult businesses quote unquote have not reopened um and so you do have dancers and escorts and massage therapists and folks that can't work because the adult entertainment industry is being censored i'm
0: trying to think of creative options like f- if they have an only fans follow their only fans yeah give definitely them tips. follow
1: give if them you want, give yeah, them tips give them
0: tips also like offer to give them money for lunch or Uber credits or like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the shit that people need that aren't just, you know, oh, like you want something custom for you, ask for a custom photo set, ask Mm -hmm. for some custom content if they're willing to give it.
1: I would say exchange of resources also. I mean, it doesn't have to be financial resources if you are a mechanic. You know, and someone needs their brakes changed, but offering to uh, help cover that or do that for free or put in a good word for them at the shop that, you know, honestly, like thinking of the barter system, like going way back old school and and thinking of what you might have to offer that would be helpful to someone of any form of profession.
0: I do feel bad for John's because I feel like a lot of these laws demonize John's. Like the mm-hmm. people buying sex, they are demonized and not everyone buying sex is a creepy scumbag trying to coerce someone into trafficking.
1: It's also hard because, I mean, I, I don't know how it goes in Canada, but in the United States, more often than not, it is the sex worker that is penalized by the government um, or by law enforcement. We're under the Swedish model right now, so
0: oh, okay, the sex work itself is fine, but nothing else around it is okay and the johns are criminalized. But okay, you cannot live off the avails of of prostitution. You cannot have <laughs> conversations in public. You cannot, you know what I mean? It's like, then what's the fucking point?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Like it, it, yeah. Not all Johns are are shitty dudes, and also a lot of them are. So another way that you can help, it, honestly, is talking about it, being open about your experiences with sex workers and destigmatizing it as a de-stigmatizing whole. Destigmatizing it, yeah, a hundred percent. And because you most likely are in a position of privilege, what like of some kind. I mean, regardless, you're a man.
0: I think it's very interesting how a lot of I've heard some men who go to strip clubs. And they're like, fine with that, or they'll buy sex, but then they don't actually respect the women that they're buying from. Mm -hmm. It's almost like in their dream world, sex work wouldn't have to exist because it's very strange. So if you are buying sex and you're not like Sissy Steven, who seems to be like uh, a woke person, maybe like evaluate, (laughs) these are people doing a job. This is a service that you want and need. Maybe respect the people. That are Mm -hmm. providing you with your needs being met. Well, it's, it's,
1: yeah, it's why sex work is work has become a slogan and like a rallying cry. It's ultimately sex work is a caregiving profession, and sex workers are providing you with care. They are doing something that makes you feel good, whether that is making you feel powerful because you get to throw money at them. Or making you feel physically good, or, or listening, listening to, to you your problems and <laughs> yeah. being your therapist. Like, you know, sex workers are providing care and doing it in a way and in a world that vilifies them. And they are practicing de escalation and conflict management and all of these other things that require a shit ton of emotional labor. So it's not just about paying a dancer, it's about It's about seeing them as a full person.
0: Yes, who is spending their energy trying to make you feel good and and pretend to be someone for your fantasy. They are Mm -hmm. acting the whole time. Also, if you are at like a family dinner or in a conversation with friends and you hear someone go, oh, did you hear about that teacher who did porn? She should have known better. No, that's bullshit. Right. Everyone watches Mm -hmm. porn. So maybe in cases like that, like if you if we're not talking about financial support, but more like world changing anti-sigma support, Mm -hmm. you need to be the person who says that's not okay and make your friends think a little bit harder about their opinions there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, also helping with the changing of and the shifting of language. Like if you hear someone throwing around words like hooker, politely correcting them sex worker that we say sex worker now unless someone is, has reclaimed it and is like call me a hooker like fine totally cool you can own that it's
0: actually like a thing that the way people's brains work if someone else says hooker or whore or prostitute like you're more likely to repeat that word um so I've been like going out of my way to be like sex worker but when I'm in a room with my friends and I know that they support sex worker rights and I know that they care about these issues or I know that they're not they're not judgmental and they accidentally say prostitute or hooker, mm-hmm. I won't say anything because I know they know. And sometimes they'll look at me and be like, I know sex worker because I, but that's it, right? Like this is one yeah. of the cases where you don't need to police your friend's thoughts if you know they're on your side, Because everyone has those, like, bad habits that they fall into with language just because we're all programmed in the same society. But it's more the people who, like, genuinely do not believe that sex work is work, don't respect people who do sex work as a profession. Those are the people that I would aim to be like, we're going to say sex worker. And I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. Mm
1: -hmm. We'll sit at our Buffalo Wild Wings table and uh... And talk about... Am I allowed to drop brands? I just, like... (laughs) Buffalo
0: Wild Wings, please sponsor us. Sponsor us. But (laughs) also,
1: you know... Sex work is work. Yeah, <laughs> tell your clients <laughs> or tell your patrons. It's
0: so yeah. It's the kind of thing where like hooters is okay, but stripping isn't. Oh, like
1: girl, I had that thought literally yesterday because I follow a, a person on Instagram who is fine as hell, and and I don't know if this is a thing in Canada. It's not a thing in California, but I used to live in Washington, and they have like they have drive-through like titty espresso booths, like where like women in like skimpy bikinis serve your espresso, and it's a drive-through. And like it's hot and it's really fun (laughs) and it's and it's something that I was like, damn, I would so do that. But that doesn't exist here. And I was thinking about a conversation I had with my mom where she was very upset. She was like, why would women do that? Like it, it just is normalizing objectification. And I'm like, yeah. It's what's exactly is wrong with knowing that your body is hot and making money off of it.
0: <laughs> as long as they're also hiring sexy men to serve coffee,
1: like oh if no, the they're, not. Thing, I want,
0: they're I want. I would. I want both. <laughs> I want. I'm an equal opportunity. Yeah. Like I want the. I want the cute guys. I would totally go. I've been to a Chippendale show. Magic Mike the live show exists for women because women yeah. also like to objectify. Yes people like we also feminism equality we also like occasionally reducing people to just a physical visible object. just our packs. yeah we're not always looking for a relationship sometimes we just want to look at something pretty but we don't treat those people like they have
1: no value and are less than human when we interact with them. And and so when when you brought up Hooters, I was... So I was having that Hooters, co- conversation the in my podcast. head. Yeah. <laughs> I was having that whole conversation in my head about how, well, there's no espresso, bikini espresso place for me to work, but, like, there's a Hooters. And I was like, oh... But everyone would judge me for working at Hooters. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: You know what, though? Like, I see so many really cute, like, photos of girls in their Hooter shirts that are, like, cut off right at the underboob. And I'm like, do I have to work at Hooters to get one of those shirts? No, you don't. The Corona beer bikinis are so fucking hot. I I don't even, I want to just do, I want basic, so here's the thing. I don't actually make enough money in my life to just buy shit. Like, I want... I'm going to give the list of things that I want because it's my podcast, so I can. Do I want it. one of those jeweled heart butt plugs, and I want it in red
1: or black. Oh, you want... Oh, damn. I was going to say, I have it in pink. I don't want, want pink. One. Pink is my color. <laughs> I, I,
0: I only wear black, gold, and red. Um, okay. You know, yellow is a subset of that. Okay. So, I know my Instagram t- makes people think I wear colors, but I actually don't. So, I want that. <laughs> I want a slutty Hooters t-shirt. Hooters sponsor mm-hmm. my podcast. I want... A, um, where was I? This is uh, clearly an end of the season kind of episode because we're going off the deep end here. I want one of those slutty girl Corona bikinis, okay? And that's it. I want to just have those, like, weird slutty status object outfits. They're fun. They are. They're I want fun. an old school Playboy
1: bunny uniform. Mm-hmm. To I would like to borrow one of those and take photos in them. Um, shout out to Dallas Dollhouse. Um, it is a renovated well I don't know if it's renovated but it's a house that's specifically intended for photo shoots and they have like iconic costumes and they have a playboy bunny costume Ooh, okay we should definitely road trip one day okay Katie, oh, yeah. what
0: do you want I just went on a list of things that I can't oh, buy girl. but I what you, give me give me like
1: your top oh, three slutty no. objects do they have do they have to be slutty no it can be your brakes fixed <laughs> my number because my, num- my number one is I want a um uh, serenity like as in sailor moon <laughs> mm-hmm. but i want to i want a princess serenity cosplay like the whole thing because it's fucking expensive like the dresses are like 500 bucks oh minimum. my god
0: yes because they're okay. stunning so okay. like
1: that that is a that's a big one for me for sure um i saw your
0: sailor moon cosplay photos they were <laughs> cute as fuck
1: it was a an actual dream come true i've i've wanted that for so long,
0: I've always wanted to do a Sailor Mars cosplay and I never have, <gasps> and I think maybe I should.
1: Oh my god, you'd be so hot. Right,
0: Ray? Sailor yeah. Mars? Okay, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you want a Sailor um, cosplay?
1: Yeah, I. <laughs> this is so practical, but I want an adequate storage system for all of my sex toys and my lingerie because right now it is not stored in a way that is like accessible, and so it just stresses me out to access it. <laughs>
0: May I suggest something for you
1: that my husband is
0: potentially modifying for us? Yeah. They make these old hard, like they're like a hard shell tool container, like your tools when you get a tool set. Mm-hmm. they come in this container and most people end up not keeping the container to store their tools because they have their own toolboxes they have their own mm-hmm. organizational mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. but they come in this thing that makes it easy to pack and carry so if you take that and you basically take a piece of foam and you carve out the correct shapes and it's like easy and it's like a suitcase and instead of it being for your tools it's for all your sex toys and they slot away perfectly and then it's really easy to like take in your car and take on journeys with you if you're road tripping to go on a sex vacation
1: oh my gosh that's incredible like a sex briefcase
0: yes it's like a it's <gasps> (gasps) Yeah, and, like, it's been made to carry heavy, like, you know, the the case itself. So I'm sure you could even, like, go on, like, Kijiji and find someone who's getting rid of it for free and just modify the internals.
1: That's perfect. Especially because, like, most of my sex toys are glass or stainless steel because it's just more sanitary to, like, switch between partners. Uh, And so they're heavy and they clink against each other and there's like no subtlety, (laughs) which like I don't really care. But
0: find out what kind of like the LARPers use like a certain kind of soft foam for the tips of their weapons. So you could like buy it's like I think it's in like couches and shit. So if you have like an old couch cushion, it's that kind of foam. You take it, you take like a a knife and you carve it up in the right shapes and you get your ruler out. And education, right? Sex is isn't just about Bridgerton. Sometimes it's about how to store your sex toys safely for a road trip.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm digging that. Um, and then I'd say the last thing, there is a series of books that are, like, kind of a pain in the ass to find not on Amazon. Um, and it's just collections of writings by sex workers. And I think there's, like, five or six of them. And I, I, want, I want the whole set.
0: I was just listening to a podcast about the new book called We Too. And it's stories about from sex workers. And it's about... Um, there's like the idea that you either hear about people who are trafficked or the happy sex worker where nothing goes mm. wrong because mm-hmm. the ones who do like what they do can't talk about the things that aren't that great because then they're afraid of falling into the narrative of people going, oh, well, see, this is why you shouldn't do your job. So mm-hmm, this is a book mm-hmm. about like sex workers writing some of their less than pleasant experiences. So that's actually on my list of things I'm going to buy for myself, yeah. along with that. a book on the Talmud and sex and kink. Um, so that's someone referred to me to. Send me that
1: to. link, dude. Yeah.
0: I will send you all of these.
1: Sweet. All right. So um, everybody, you heard that. If you think we are great and you want to spoil us, um, just reach out. I have a P.O. box. So uh, Clearly. send me a, if you want to send me a present, you know how to do it.
0: I'm a big fan of reimbursements. I learned about them earlier this year where you mm. post something that you want. You ask if anyone wants to reimburse you.
1: So if you want to
0: reimburse me for any of those items,
1: please let me know. <laughs> this is in my cart. First person to cash out me for it.
0: The the thing that's really funny about this to me is like we could like these are the kinds of things where like we shouldn't buy them for ourselves because they're trivial and frivolous and there's always bills that get in the way. So it's fun to just like put it out to the universe. Oh, yeah. Like these are things I like without any expectation. But please, if you like us, send us gifts. Yeah,
1: one of my one of my best friends um, is a sex worker, and any time that I like buy myself something frivolous, like I quote unquote frivolous, like I bought myself a new um, smoking set by my favorite artist, and she was like, "Why are you buying that for yourself?" Let him let a man buy that for you. Men don't always
0: <laughs> men don't always want to buy you things.
1: Well, and also, I was like, I don't have a long list of men who are in love with me, so I can't pull yeah. that off. I have a short list of men who are in love with me.
0: <laughs> same same thing, you know. Like I too do not have a long list of men who are in love with me. <laughs> and even if I do have guys who like me, they don't want to buy me shit. They're like, "Well, yeah. I subscribe the five ninety nine to your OnlyFans.
1: Isn't that enough?" Yeah, dude. So so with that being said. Um, Also, I'm a big fan of just throwing $20 to my friends every now and then to buy themselves shit that they wouldn't normally buy themselves. That's such a sweet thing. But the rule is that it has to be for something you've been wanting but won't let yourself buy. So you can't put that $20 towards your Chipotle, but you can put that towards a new vibrator or a book that you've been wanting or a makeup palette or whatever. Because we deserve to buy ourselves shit that make us happy. Like... Oh, yes, yeah. it's capitalism, and we grew up in it, so we can't get away from it.
0: <laughs> I feel this weird pressure that, like, everything on my wish list always needs to be sexy. But mm. the truth, like, the number one thing that I always want, if someone's like, what do I get you for a gift, and there's nothing that I want, I'm like, so we we don't have Barnes and Noble. We have a store called Indigo, which is a bookstore. I'm like, Indigo gift cards. I fucking mm-hmm. love Indigo. It's my yep. favorite place to shop. They now have a home section with yoga shit, but, like, I love books. I would just love to have money. Books are one of the things that, like, I'll end up spending hundreds all at once just because I, like, love books Go and crazy. can't pick one. Yeah, like, mm-hmm, I love books mm-hmm. and they're so... I love supporting actual brick-and-mortar bookstores.
1: Yeah, I uh, Powell's Books in, in Portland is where I buy all my books now and, I mean, I will say shipping is kind of a pain in the ass. Like, I've been waiting two weeks for a book, but, like, also, I'm not going to read it in those two weeks, so, like, it's fine, uh, so yeah, get your friends' book gift cards. Like, take care of each other, you know. Um, and and repatriate funds. That's that's my that's my big one. It's like cool if a horny dude on the internet wants to pay for your socks, take it and buy your friends some nice shit with that, or buy yourself some nice shit with that.
0: Yeah, buy or just like buy yourself socks. You can never have too many socks.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it's true. I uh, there's a reason that we always get socks for Hanukkah. There's a reason it's a cliche. Really? I don't get anything for Hanukkah. Uh, oh, well mm-hmm. right. I get
0: soft. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I feel like anyone who's still with us after listening to us a talk about ourselves, you basically just got to hang out with me and Katie. It's uh, me. So happy. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is this, so this just turned into a hangout. Um if you would like to join the Deviants Defining Elite, you can do so by following the podcast at Sex News with Ray on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, and Twitter. And submit a listener question through... <laughs> forget about that. And submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Follow me personally at WifeBayRay on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And I'm also Razor Latex on Instagram. And Razor Latex is my only fan's name where you can find slutty photos of me not in Hooter shirts yet. Maybe soon. Mm-hmm.
1: This podcast is
0: engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones. And photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. She's one sexy lady who takes some very sexy photos. Have a great day and we'll see you in season four.